It's important to recognize that if we want to follow the way of Jesus and we want to walk in his path and become like him and abide in him, you will not get it perfectly. And if you try harder and you seek to just do a little more, it's going to cause you a lot of pain and hurt. So I'm not going to ask you or encourage you to try anything. I'm just gonna encourage you to practice. Start wherever you are. There's no shame in the beginning place. Start at wherever you're at and do something. Something to help you focus on being with Jesus today. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, And that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It is so good to be here with each and every one of you. It is such a joy again to gather as the church. Over the last several weeks, we have been going through a series about who we as the point are. And today we're going to conclude that series. It's not just about who we are, but also who we're going to be how we're going to do the things God has called us to do and what that might look like for you and me as we love and serve one another. Just in case you weren't here or maybe you've forgotten, every single thing we do as a church is with one goal in mind. We exist to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? Well, that means every one of us in our brokenness and our sin, whether we grew up in the church or did not, every one of us has been disconnected from God at some point in our life. The plans that he has for us seem far away. His voice seems too quiet for us to hear. We wonder, are we welcomed, included, invited into his family? And if we are, so what? What does that change? And so over the course of the series, we've talked about things like our culture that says, you can come as you are, always. It means if you're a broken, hot mess, you're in the right place. And if you have everything put together and your life looks great and easy, well, I have a lot to learn from you, or you're lying, one of the two. Come as you are means that God is not putting anything before you coming to him, you experiencing his grace, you knowing that you're loved, you belonging with him. But God loves you too much to keep you that way. He invites you to come as you are and then as you walk with him to become who you were made to be, to experience his goodness that changes everything for us. And so we've talked about how this change really only takes place in community. See, none of us were made to be an island by ourselves. None of us were made to figure out life or to discover faith or to walk with God on our own. 
We need others. And not just people we see from time to time, not just people we kind of know vaguely at a distance, but people that we can become truly close to. People we can open ourselves up to and be vulnerable with. We can share those places of hurt and pain and know we won't be judged. Know instead we will be loved and given space for healing. With all of our brokenness, they'll point us to Jesus. This kind of community doesn't happen by accident and it doesn't happen unless we work for it. See, this kind of community requires us to step out of our comfort zone, to say, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I want it. And every one of us needs these people who can be there like family. And so one of the things we talked about is our connect groups, how we're shifting them away from being organized by um, people that have similar interests. And instead, we're trying to organize them, people who live close to each other. And if you haven't yet signed up, but you want to sign up, you can still sign up for these connect groups. And I will gladly help you find people who live as close to you as possible. There's a map out there that you can look at later, and if your house isn't on that map, it means I don't have your address, you should let me know and I'll fix that, all right? You can see how many people from the point live close to you. But community, it's hard work, and it requires a lot. Alistair McIntyre, he's a professor of philosophy and ethics at uh, University of Notre Dame. He says that community requires three things of every one of us. First, it requires a common creed. What that means is community, true community, requires us to have a centralized belief system that we hold together. Now, that doesn't mean everything about us is identical, but it means there's something that draws us back to each other, a common set of values, a common set of beliefs, things that we all hold dear. If you want to have a community, you need that. So in the community of UT football, we have all sorts of beliefs, right? Like we believe every season at the season opener, it's gonna be a great year. And we believe every season four games in, there's always next year. <laughs> we hold certain values to be true. Like you would never wear like crimson tide colors, would you, on a game day? Okay, I know some of you would and you're still welcomed here. We have certain values we hold to if you're part of the volunteer community. Every community not only has a common creed, they have a shared narrative. They have stories they tell that they all know the stories, but they keep telling them. Stories of the good old days when we used to win championships and they're just around the corner. Stories of Peyton Manning leading us to glory. Stories of who we are, Rocky Top, songs we sing to communicate that we're in this together. Any kind of community needs a shared story that we can pass on from one generation to the next, from one person to the next. When new people come in, we can teach them the ways of our community by teaching them the stories that we believe in. And finally, every community requires a shared set of practices. Certain things you do and things you don't do that shape 
who you are as a people. Every community requires these things according to Alistair McIntyre. And I believe this extends even to us as a church. And to give you a really clear example, I decided to dig through some history and find a a saint of the church that I think would be really helpful in communicating these three things. You ready for this old saint of uh, Christian history? All right, here he is. You guys chuckle. Obviously, that's not a saint, but maybe you recognize who that is, the Mandalorian from Star Wars, right? Mandalorian, in many ways, exhibits what it means to be this community with a phrase you've all heard if you've ever seen the movie or the show, or you've certainly read if you're on social media. It's kind of out there everywhere, right? What does he say all the time, over and over again? This is the way. What way? The way of the Mandalorian. This is the way. Does he have certain things he believes? Yes. Stories they tell, stories of days gone by, stories of the greatness of the Mandalorian, stories of what it means to be the people. Do they have practices they hold to? Yes. Ways they've learned to fight, to keep their identity secret. Practices that are sacred to them that no matter what, they will protect and defend. But this community of people, it changes everything. It gives him the kind of love and the kind of allegiance and the kind of commitment that it takes to go through all kinds of trials and tribulations for the sake of Grogu, this little baby who knows what. For the sake of this foreigner, this other, this outsider. His practices, the way he lives, changes what he does with others. I bring this up because unfortunately the Mandalorian, he's not actually a saint, but this idea, this is the way, is nothing new. In fact, all the way back in scripture, in Acts, in the early church, the church was referred to as the way. Here's Acts chapter nine, it says this. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You guys know who Saul is. He became Paul after he met Jesus and everything changed. Multiple times in the book of Acts, he sought out those who belonged to the way and he desired to destroy them. And yet God protected them. The people of the way was one of the earliest designations for who Christians were. Why? Well, 2,000 years removed, for many of us, we hear the stories of Scripture, the creeds we believe in, the practices of faith, and they're just so familiar to us, we almost dismiss them. Like, oh yeah, of course, that's what Christians believe. And for many of us, being a Christian has less to do with who you are and how you live and what you believe, it has more to do with what you think you know. Like I can tell you about Jesus and I remember the story of the crucifixion, so it's good enough. But for disciples of Jesus and those who followed after him, 
It wasn't simply a statement of belief. We believe in this Jesus. To follow after Jesus meant to reorient all of your life around the way of Jesus, around the way that he lived and the way that he talked and the way that he loved outsiders. The things he did became the things you would do. And in doing so, you'd slowly begin to look like him. This is why all the Pharisees were so offended when Jesus spent time with sinners. Because they were afraid if we spend time with sinners, we'll become like sinners. And that would be terrible. If we go to the leper who's sick, instead of casting them out, we'll become leprous like them. And yet Jesus, time and time again, went out of his comfort in a way of living that was unlike anybody else. And he went to those who were far from God, alienated and outcast. And he loved them. And he invited his disciples to do the same. Come, follow me. And they did. They left everything. And time and time again, it was hard. They didn't get it. The things he was speaking didn't make sense. When he would look at the lame man and say, I forgive you all your sins. It's a, you can't do that, only God can. He okay, watch me. And then he'd heal the man and the guy would get up and go home. She's like, tell me what I can and cannot do. Time and time again, Jesus would go places and say things they didn't understand and it bothered them and it offended them. Which is why in the Gospel of Mark, at Jesus' death, he is alone. Everybody has abandoned him. It's just him. But to be a disciple quite literally means to be a little learner. A learner, one who learns the way of your master and tries to emulate and become like them. We are called to make disciples of all nations by baptizing them. And does anybody know the second half of that command of Jesus? And to teach them to believe? No. To teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. We're called to make disciples through baptizing and then teaching. This is the way of Jesus. If you wish to be like Jesus, do these things. If you wish to do the things Jesus did, Maybe you should start by looking at Jesus himself. And so how we're going to go about this at the point, learning to live as a people of the way who walk and talk and think and act differently, the way we're going to go about doing this is really simple. It's three simple processes that I didn't invent myself. I'm stealing this from a church in Portland because why reinvent the wheel, right? It's like this, if you wanna grow in your faith, if you wanna reproduce and make disciples, it starts with being with Jesus. Only out of the place of intimacy with Jesus, only out of the place of knowing Jesus and walking together with him, will we begin to be transformed into somebody new. And as we walk with him, we get to know who he is. We get to know what he stands for. We get to know how much he loves and the promises that he has for us. And that, I promise, will change you. Now, I don't mean to say it'll change you in the sense like you'll suddenly stop liking the things you used to like. 
When I first became a Christian, I became a Christian in a context that said, if you're now a Christian, you have to abandon everything you loved before. And so if you previously loved motorcycles, well, that's of the devil, you sinners. Stop it. And if you previously loved watching football, you probably shouldn't because that's an idol. And maybe there's some truth to that. But if you previously loved these other things, don't do that anymore. And what quickly happened in that context, maybe you've been there as well, is as you give up everything you used to do, you begin to discover you don't know anybody who's disconnected from Jesus. Your whole life is filled with people who look and act and think just like you. And when that happens, we actually lose out on the things Jesus did. Because Jesus was always surrounding himself himself with people who were nothing like him. He was always going out into the midst of people who were the least of these, who were absolutely unworthy, and he wasn't going out to tell them, you miserable sinners, stop it. He was going out saying, can I come over to your house and have dinner? Would you like to come eat with me? Can I just be with you? You're sick, let me heal you. You're oppressed by demons? I've got a solution for that. I'm here for you. Jesus was constantly surrounding himself with people who didn't get it. If we want to follow the way of Jesus, if we want to follow the way of Jesus and live like him, we begin to become like him. You know that anger that wells up inside of you? When you become like Jesus, that anger begins to diminish. This side of the resurrection, it won't go away. You're still always and forever going to be sinful, just like me. But you'll change. The jealousy, the greed, maybe the gossip that you used to love, or still do. The lies you used to tell yourself, or believe about yourself. When we spend time with Jesus, he will begin to change those things in us. And in turn, we begin to do the types of things he did. How do I go and find those who are unloved? How do I love them? How do I invite people into my house, even if it's really uncomfortable, and maybe my house isn't perfectly clean? That's okay. How do I spend time with people who don't think or act like me, and still speak with kindness and grace and truth? How do I do what Jesus did so that I can become like him in every way? Early Christians, they weren't just called the people of the way because it was a cool, clever way to describe, oh, that's how they're living. Jesus himself actually gave him this title. He says this in John chapter 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. His disciples are asking him, hey Jesus, you've said you're going away from us. Where are you going? How will we know to get there? Jesus says, look, I am the way to get to my Father. If you want to know who God is, you have to do it through Jesus. And I'm going to say this unapologetically. We live in a culture that believes Every truth is your truth. If it's your truth, it must be right. But unfortunately, not every truth can be true. And unfortunately, everything that points us away from Jesus is ultimately untrue. 
no matter how good or nice or comfortable it feels. Jesus alone is the way to the Father. He's the way that we should try to live, that we should seek after. He's the way that we find grace when we fail, the way that we find hope when we're desperate. He's the way that we find the very life that God has breathed into us. And for so many of us, myself sometimes included, the only time I really focus on Jesus in my life is on Sunday mornings. Have you been there? In John chapter 15, the very next chapter, Jesus goes on to say, I am the true vine and my father the vine dresser. And then a little bit later he says this, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you want your life to begin to look like Jesus, filled with love and patience and kindness and goodness, filled with the strength to withstand enemies who are hurling ugly lies at you and still be confident of whose you are and who you are, if you want your life to be filled with love for your enemies, even when you otherwise could naturally hate them, to forgive those who don't deserve it, to give grace to those who aren't asking for it. If you want your life to bear fruit, you have to abide in Jesus. You have to center all of your time in him. And I don't mean that all of your music has to be Christian music because to be honest, most Christian music on the radio is garbage and has nothing to do with Jesus. I'm sorry if you like Christian music, some of it's good, but a lot of it has nothing to do with Jesus. You could substitute any number of other things you're singing about, and that's just the same. No, if you want your life to be centered in Jesus, it means organizing your time and your priorities to say, Jesus, how do I start my time, my day, each day with you? How do I go to lunch with a coworker and there, during that lunch, even maybe while I'm drinking a beer, how do I experience your presence in that place and know that you're with me in that conversation? How do I center my time when my kids are tired and grumpy and not going to bed and I'm tired and grumpy and wishing they were asleep? How do I center my time with Jesus to say even there, he can be present? and I can be different. It says, abide in me. If anyone, this is verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. See, if we want to walk the way of Jesus, it has to start with being in his love. How many of you, let's be honest, start your day on Facebook? Anybody? What about checking emails? 
What about listening to or watching a few minutes of the news? Or Twitter or Instagram or any number of other social media? Just how many of you start your day with something that generally doesn't build you up? Anybody? I find when I start my day checking emails, do you know what I think about all day long? All the things I haven't done and all the people I wish wouldn't email me. Guilty. When I start my day with my phone, whether that's a sports update, it always disappoints me or wastes my time and then I'm stressed trying to run out the door because I didn't take any time to actually do the things I needed to do. And then I'm tired and I'm grumpy all day long. If we want to walk the way of Jesus, we have to be with Jesus. We have to abide in him. Jesus, he talks about abiding in him like a vine, uses this agricultural language. Anybody in here like to garden? What happens when you cut a vine off of the, 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 the plant? What happens then? It dies. Very few plants will survive. Some of them, if you happen to drop them in some dirt, will then re-sprout, but most of them just simply die. And they wither, and that's it. Jesus paints this really strong picture for us. He says, look, if you don't stay connected with me, you will die as well. And I don't think Jesus is saying that you're out and you should question your salvation. Because we can be confident that what he accomplished on the cross and promised in baptism and gives us in communion, we can be confident that he is enough. But that life he wants to give you, one of peace, joy, of strength, of love for your enemies, that will wither and die apart from him. Almost always. So, Going forward, we as a church are going to spend a lot of time talking about practices that we can do as a community. We have a common creed. We have three of them actually in the church. We rarely say one of them because it's super long and really confusing. But we have three common creeds, declarations, things we believe in. We have shared narratives. Like this entire book is shared narratives of who we are as a people. And I think we have practices that we can embrace that will help every one of us be with Jesus and become like him and do the kinds of things he did. Now I'm going to use the language going forward as we try to become a people practicing the way of Jesus. I'm going to use the language of practicing for a really important reason. Anybody in here like to lift weights? Anybody in here successfully able to bench press your body weight? I thought so. I was actually counting on you right there. A couple of you. Wow, I'm impressed. I cannot. Do you know why I can't bench press my body weight? Because I've never bench pressed much. I don't spend time doing it. If I wanted to bench press my body weight, how would I go about accomplishing that? Well, I probably would not sign up for a gym tomorrow and start out with my body weight. That would crush me if I was even lucky enough to get it off the, the, the rack. Instead, if I wanted to learn to do something I can't currently do, I'd begin practicing. And I'll confess, I'd probably have to start with the bar and then add a few pounds on the side. And the more I practice, the better I'll get. 
The more I practice, the stronger I'll become. And maybe with enough time and enough consistency, that practice of doing a little bit more and stretching myself a little bit more, maybe eventually I could bench press my body weight. Or maybe not. But certainly I would be able to do more later than I can now. It's important to recognize that if we want to follow the way of Jesus and we want to walk in his path and become like him and abide in him, you will not get it perfectly. And if you try harder and you seek to just do a little more, it's going to cause you a lot of pain and hurt. So I'm not going to ask you or encourage you to try anything. I'm just gonna encourage you to practice. Start wherever you are. There's no shame in the beginning place. Start at wherever you're at and do something. Something to help you focus on being with Jesus today. Like maybe a simple starting place would be you just pick up the Bible tomorrow morning and you read something. One or two verses. Read these verses again. I don't care. Read something. Anybody ever started the new year with the intention of reading through the whole Bible in a year? How many of you made it past Leviticus? Right. What generally happens most of the time is we start it and then it gets hard and we just give up. Or we get a little behind because let's be fair, new habits are hard to form. And we're like, well, we'll never catch up, so we might as well quit. When it comes to practicing the way of Jesus, learning to walk with him and become like him and do the things he did, there's no shame in your failure and your past. You just start today. And if tomorrow you screw it up again, just start again. And we keep practicing and maybe together we'll grow more in Jesus. And we'll begin to bear the kind of fruit that loves our neighbors as Christ has loved us. That prays for our enemies, forgives the unforgivable. We'll begin to bear the kind of fruit that this world will see can only come from a God who is completely unlike us. Because there's no way you and I could do that on our own. As we go forward as a church, Uh, Starting next week, we're going to begin with a brand new practice. Actually, the other Adam is going to be here preaching next week, and he's going to share a brand new practice that's not actually all that new. It's really, really old, like Genesis old, but for most of us, we try to run from it. It's a practice called silence and solitude. We're going to start with learning this practice together, and I'm going to encourage every one of you As we learn about this practice, this habit that will help us be with Jesus more, I want to encourage you to start where you are and do something. And if you fail, celebrate it and keep going. Our goal in the coming future of the point is that every one of us will have a life that's connecting the disconnected by being with Jesus and doing what he does. I believe when we do that, his fruit will shine and this city will have hope like it hasn't had in a long time, if ever. Will you pray with me today? God, we thank you that you are the way. 
that we are called to be a people of the way, who practice this faith, who live out these beliefs, who commit ourselves to habits and customs and stories that will change everything about who we are. God, teach us to abide in you, to turn off the TV, that we can spend two or three minutes or 20 minutes or even an hour just with you. Teach us to spend time with people who are far from you, not so that we can fix them or change them, but so that we can love them like you do. Teach us, God, to abide in your life, your truth, the way in which you walked, that out of us, those who are hurting and broken and disconnected might become connected to you, the source of all hope, all joy, and all peace. Teach us how to do this each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I mentioned earlier, if you want a community of people who are going to be committed to practicing these things together, if you want to walk alongside other people who can encourage you and care for you and say, it's okay, keep going, we're in this together, you can do that by signing up for a connect group. If you want, feel free to pull out your phone and scan that QR code or fill out the, the little connect card in front of you. However you let us know, I will be contacting you tomorrow and saying, here's a group near you. We want to help you make some friends and begin to do life with others who will help you grow into who God made you to be. So you can sign up there and you know what, I'm only asking for nine weeks. If at the end of the nine weeks, like these people are super strange, that's fine. Push through the awkwardness for a season and maybe you'll find a friend. At the end of it, if you're like, this is too weird and too awkward, okay, we'll find some different people for you to try to connect with. No big deal. As you guys fill that out, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. Uh, we collect an offering in this place as an opportunity to, to practice trusting in God. God, I believe you're bigger than my wallet and bigger than my resources, so whatever you give, I wanna give something back to say, help me to trust you with everything. And so if you came prepared today to give an offering and you prefer cash or check, I actually completely forgot to get the popcorn buckets out. So uh, Keith, would you mind grabbing one of those for me? Thanks, Keith. Uh, Keith's gonna grab a popcorn bucket and it'll be in the back as you exit. You can give your cash or check or your physical connect card by putting it in that bucket. Uh, and if you prefer to give online, if you came prepared to do so online, you can give at thepointknox.com. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't do it to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. What questions came in today? So we only have one. Last week I said that, and then 500 came in at the same time. So right now we only have one. It says, how do you react to others in the community when they still test you as an outcast, especially in the fall, because you're a Gator and not a UT fan? Well, in the, the words of Jesus, pray for your enemies. Mm, mm. Uh, no, actually, as a Husker fan, I don't really care. Uh, I'm only a Vol fan because I'm trying to become one of this community, right? So uh, if you're a Gator, we still love you. And uh, Crimson Tide, that's a stretch, but uh, just joking. We love you too. Um, 
On a separate note though, if you do feel like an outsider in a community, whether it's one that doesn't matter like the Vols or one that does like the church, um, I think personally the best way to address that is to address it. Community is awkward and people will screw up and they will say and do things that are hurtful and offensive, hopefully not on purpose, but sometimes on purpose. And so have the boldness to say, this hurt. Can we work through this together and figure it out? Um, I think that'll always make for a better community when we do that, even if you're a gator, all right? Was that it? Any more coming late? That's, that's, well, there was one that said, where is the happy couple? Oh, the happy couple. Uh, Kate and Julian, Kate uh, Turnbull, one of our artists in the studio, and Julian Buck, uh, they got married yesterday here, and uh, I'm guessing they're sleeping in, because they had a very long day. But uh, it was exciting, exciting time. Yeah, so. That's Next it. time you see Julian and Kate, congratulate them. Is that it? Th that, is, that is officially it. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Well, as always, you can text in your questions anytime during the week. If you send them in during the week, we'll do our best to put up a point leftovers in the middle of the week on our social media. Otherwise, we'll respond to them next week uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, with that, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.